Um, you know, we uh, through the week, uh, we all heard, I think, probably hundreds and hundreds of sea jokes, ocean jokes, water jokes, sea creature jokes. Uh, but I kept quiet, and but not now. So, hey, what sea creature can add a lot of numbers together? An octopus. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what did the beach say as the tide came in? Long time, no sea. And what do you call a, a really violent fish? A smackerel. All right. Some of these, you know. What do you get when you cross a school of fish with a herd of elephants? Swimming trunks. Come on. Uh, all right, all right. What do you call an alligator wearing a vest? An investigator. Ah, all right. Okay. All right, and where did Captain Hook buy his hook? At a second-hand store. All right, I'll get... I won't punish you too much more. Just one more. What do you do with a sick boat? You take it to the dock. Okay? I rest my case. Um, we, this week we've had quite an adventure on the sea, and the puppets, they did a great job this week of showing us some of the things that uh, we all could get involved or in, confront in our lives uh, on land as well. And in the Bible, what's interesting to me is that the sea, mentioned in the Bible, uh, is sometimes used as a picture of untamed evil in the world. Right from the very beginning in Genesis, when the earth was engulfed in water, God stepped in with a word to create order out of the chaos. And here's what happened in Genesis 1-2. says the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. He's going to do something. And in verses 9 and 10, God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And from that point on in the Scripture, the stormy waters of the sea became an apt picture of evil in the world, chaotic, untamable, dangerous, and uncontrollable to all living creatures except for God. He's the only one who actually can control the sea. In fact, we see a description of that in the Old Testament book of Job, where God is answering Job's complaints in chapter 38, and he, God describes his sovereign power over the most untamable thing on the face of the earth, the sea. Here's what he says to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding, Job. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched out the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together? And the sons of God shouted for joy. Who enclosed the sea 
with doors when bursting forth. It went out from the womb when I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. Here shall your proud waves stop. It's very... Uh, vivid picture of how God commanded the sea that's untamable, uncontrollable, chaotic, and he placed boundaries on it and says, thus you shall come, but no farther. Here you, your proud waves shall stop. The scripture does continue uh, with this image of the sea as this chaotic, dangerous place, uh, as a, sometimes a very picture of evil itself. Uh, when we come to the Psalms, Psalm 29, 3 and 4, uh, really proclaims the power of God over the seas. Once again, the voice of the Lord says is, is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And verse 10 says, The Lord sat as king at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever. He's the one who controls all the chaotic forces that he has created. And, you know, in the Old Testament, I believe all of this, all of these pictures of the sea uh, literally having to be controlled by God's voice, all of this is to prepare us for the real significance of the sea as a picture of evil when Jesus came on the scene. The sea is untamable, dangerous, uncontrollable to all living creatures except God. That's what was so amazing when the disciples witnessed Jesus' interaction with the sea. First, the eyewitness testimony of the Gospels tells us that when the disciples were crossing the uh, Galilean Sea in a life-threatening storm, uh, Jesus commanded the sea to stop, and it did. Listen to it, Mark 4, 36-39. This is where we derived our verse of the week. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus along with them in a boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that much of the boat was already filling up. And Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care we are perishing? And he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Now, we looked at this passage uh, a, few, a number of Sundays ago when we were studying the Gospel of Mark, and we noticed that this uh, account has all the uh, earmarks of eye, an eyewitness report. Uh, it, it, and the reason you can tell that is it just includes unnecessary details to the story, like tells us other boats were present. Uh, it tells us Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat, and he was sleeping on a cushion. The only way that makes sense is if somebody is remembering exactly what happened. There are many other little details like that. This was no ordinary storm either. The word suggests gale force winds between 80 and 100 miles an hour. What Jesus did was supernatural. He calmed the sea with just his words. 
He spoke to the wind and sea, and I want to read, tell you what it, what it literally says in the original Greek. Be quiet and stay quiet. And it was. Just with his word. You see, though it's one thing for the wind to just suddenly stop. You know, we could explain that by coincidence, maybe. But it's miraculous when the sea stopped suddenly in the middle of a great storm, became like a sheet of glass. Normally, uh, after a storm, the sea is rough and tossing for hours. Not this. Stop the wind, and the sea became like glass. It obeyed his voice. Nobody else can do that. But Jesus has the sovereign power over the sea. The disciples were so shocked at what they just witnessed, they became the text says they became more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. <laughs> and they uttered the question all of us need to ask. They became very much afraid, Mark 4:41, and said to one another, "Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?" They would eventually answer their own question the next time they witnessed Jesus' power over the sea. The eyewitness testimony of the Gospels again tell us not only did Jesus command the sea and it obeyed, it also describes a, a, an event where Jesus walked on the sea, which is amazing. Matthew 14, 25 to 27, uh, the disciples are out in the middle of the sea, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they're terrified. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? And said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. The sea is a, as a picture of evil in the world has no power whatsoever over Jesus. In fact, like the apostle Peter, if you listen to Jesus' invitation and Jesus has you by the hand, evil, as pictured by the sea, has no power over you as well. Listen, as we continue the passage, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But Peter, he's seeing the wind, he became frightened, began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me! The Lord grabbed his hand, pulled him up, took hold of him, said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Wow. After that incident, see, after that incident, the disciples were able to answer their own question. Who then is this? Matthew 14, 32 to 33, when they got in the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. You only worship God. They worshipped him saying, truly, meaning there's no doubt in our mind, you are the Son of God. And from that miracle, the disciples concluded Jesus is the Son of God. What does that mean? It means <laughs> Jesus is our Savior. It means that as God's Son, Jesus is able to deliver us from the ultimate power of evil, not just, a, not just water, what the water and the sea represent in the Bible. Evil, chaos, 
He is able to save us from our sin, which results in our eternal death. Uh, in the New Testament, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says in verse 623, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why God gave us his son, Jesus, to be with us. Jesus even said this point blank to a man called Nicodemus in John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus said to him, you know, God so loved the world. That's us people, the world, not just Jews, everybody. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send the Son in the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Well, some people ask, well, how is Jesus able to save us from our sin and ultimate death, eternal death? Well, he he was able to do that because he took our place to receive God's judgment for our sins when he died on the cross. And afterwards, after God received his sacrifice for our sin on our behalf, God raised him from the dead. You know why? So that we would know he has accepted that sacrifice and anyone who believes in him will now be given eternal life. It's the proof of proofs. So God has promised to grant that gift to everyone who believes in him. Jesus is able to redeem forever those who do believe in him. And you know what? This has been the message and theme of Kids Club this week. Just want to uh, show kids who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how they can respond and literally have their lives changed through faith in him. So I, I'd say whatever adventure you are on, on the sea or land, We all need Jesus to save us. We cannot save ourselves. No one, the verse says, comes to the Father except through him. And if you've never acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God and called on him to save you, I invite you, I urge you to just in your heart of hearts uh, pray to God a little prayer and say, I believe, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God who came to save me. And when you do that and mean it with your heart, He will make himself known to you in a very real, personal way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is powerful. Your word created the things that are out of nothing. By your word, you calm the stormy sea. By your word, you deliver us all from evil. I thank you for Jesus, your son, who loved us and came to conquer sin and death on our behalf paying the ultimate price of his death on a cross for the sins we've committed. Father, we ask you to help us believe in him for the gift of eternal life. Help us to continue to rely on him when we do enter the stormy seas of life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.